0: Welcome back to Basic Bible 101. Last week we left off with uh, the story of Ruth from the book of Ruth and it was just four chapters and I hope you had a chance to read through it if you did not catch that podcast. And today we are going to continue on with the book of 1 Samuel. Now this book of the Bible starts off with a very personal story about a woman who was unable to have children. Her name was Hannah. And we see in the very beginning, in chapter 1, that there's a man who has two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. And the two women are very different. One has, is able to have lots of children, uh, and her children um, are, of course, the more children you have, the more you're honored. The other, Hannah, was not able to have any children. And her husband loved her very much and would tell her, Am I not worth more to you than ten sons? And so uh, we see that she is just distraught over this um, sadness in her life. And if you will recall from last week's lesson, it was very difficult for a woman when she did not have any children who could help her. Many times it was the children who took in the mother and um, cared for her after the husband was gone. And so that may have been part of Hannah's concern, but I think also that she was ridiculed by the other wife and and felt bad about that and thought that she was letting her husband down, I think. And so even though her husband was a very kind man, Elkanah, um, and he did not hold this against her, still she was just in great distress over it and so uh, in chapter one they head up to an area called Shiloh this was where they would go each year to offer their special sacrifices to the Lord and so it was up in Shiloh that they would have a big celebration and sacrifice some animals and have a big feast and so this particular year Hannah is in the temple praying and she's praying with her lips, even though there's no sound coming out. She's like, you know, talking to herself. And so the priest there sees her and thinks that she's drunk. And he goes up to her and says, Lady, you know, why do you keep drinking? Could you just get out of here? And uh, Hannah says, no, no, I haven't been drinking. Um, but I'm just in great grief, you know, and anguish. And I'm asking God for this, for to help me. And so Eli says go in peace may the God of Israel grant your prayer and actually what Hannah had been praying is that she would have a child and if she did have a child she promised God that she would dedicate him to the Lord and that he would be a Nazarite do you remember what a Nazarite was if we recall just a few weeks ago when we talked about Samson the Nazarite that had uh, his hair had never been cut well that's what she's promising is that this child will be dedicated to the Lord And so sure enough, in the course of time that next year, she did conceive and had a son and his name was Samuel. And he was called Samuel because uh, his mother said, because I asked the Lord for him. And so um, she's so delighted about this and can't wait to uh, see what God is going to do. And and she's faithful to her promise to God. So when the time comes for her to give up her son, when once he's been weaned, they go up to their an, in, for their annual feast, and she leaves uh, Samuel with the priest. Now let me take just a minute to talk to you a little bit about this priest. This priest Eli, who is the one who they come up and and uh, who oversees the celebrations each year, has two sons, and they their names are. Um, Phineas and Hophni. These two boys were very wild and instead of honoring their father and uh, knowing that they were going to be in the priesthood, basically the Levite tribe were the ones that were the priests and so if you were a Levite and your father was a priest then that's what you became as well. So these two boys knew that they were going to be priests for Israel. And in the process of um, following in their father's footsteps, instead of doing everything that they sh- were supposed to be doing, they had very little regard for their uh, place in the religious um, world of Israel. And instead, when different families would have be offering um, different uh, sacrifices, one of the ways sometimes they would do that is to boil the meat and these two boys would come with a big three-pronged hook and dip it into the pot and then the, the priest would get whoever that priest was in this case it would have been the boys were able to keep whatever came back out on the, the uh, fork the hook but unfortunately these boys did not think that was enough and so they would come to the uh, feasts and say no give us our meat raw we want it raw and we're going to take it and cook it our own way and so the people would say, well, don't you at least want us to burn off the fat, which was part of their uh, ceremony. And they said, no, just give it to us. And they were very um, kind of rude about it. And so it says that they, what they were doing was treating the Lord's offering with contempt. And you may hear that from time to time. It's really a way of saying that you scoff at what God's laws says Or that you uh, treat his rules lightly or or with a cavalier attitude and not um, in a way that would honor God. And so because of this, um, the Lord is very upset with these two boys. And he has a prophet come to Eli. And he basically tells Eli, listen, you know, you should have reigned in these boys long ago and you did not. And now... These boys are going to face punishment, and so you, um, and because of this, because of the way you've treated my um, offerings, uh, your household, no, no, none of the men will ever grow old; they'll all die young. And the way that you'll know this is true is that your two boys will die on the same day. And so Eli takes what the the prophet says and kind of says, "Okay," and and instead of then turning and thinking, "Well, maybe there's still something I can do about it." He just kind of, once again, resigns from his fatherly responsibilities and um, the boys are left to run wild. Okay, now if, if you were Hannah and you were dedicating your son to the Lord and leaving him in the hands of Eli, it seems to me that perhaps you would be a little bit disturbed at how his other boys had turned out. At least I know I would be. But she has great confidence in the Lord and she is following through and because of this the Lord blesses her with three more sons and two more daughters. So she um, is able to have a family finally and and God does uh, take care of her. And this boy Samuel grows up to be a very wise and astute young man. Even from the beginning we can see in chapter 3 samuel is laying on his bed and he sleeps right near the ark of the covenant which we will talk about a little bit more today do you remember what the ark of the covenant is and i know if you're thinking back to raiders of the lost ark it's that gold um box with a little um uh, cherubim on top the little angels um and that's right that is the ark of the covenant and apparently because it was in the temple the priests would serve you know um, offerings and etc. in the temple. And so uh, this is where Samuel lived. And so he is laying in bed at night and he hears this voice calling him. And so he jumps up and runs into Eli and says, yes, what what can I do for you? And Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So Samuel goes back to bed and he's laying there. Pretty soon he hears his name Samuel. You know, somebody's calling him. So he the only other person there is Eli. So he runs back in and says, yes, I'm here. And Eli says, I didn't call you. And at this point, Eli's kind of thinking, this is very strange. But maybe the Lord is calling him. And so he says, sit, when next time you hear it, just sit back and say, um, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And so uh, sure enough, Samuel goes back and lays down. And this time when he hears his voice, the voice that says, Samuel, he says, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And so God speaks to Samuel and he tells him that um, what's going to happen. And it's basically a prophecy where he says that he is dissatisfied with Eli and his sons and that um, there's, they have guilt uh, on their household and that um, he, he, will, he is going to deal with them. So you can imagine this is pretty heavy information for young Samuel. And the next morning, he opens the doors to the temple and is going about his chores. And Eli comes up to him and says, what did God tell you? And I'm sure Samuel was a little bit hesitant because he really didn't want to say what he heard. But, but Eli push, pushed the issue and said, tell me everything, tell me the truth. You know." And so Samuel does. He says, "You know, basically, God's going to deal with you which, of course, Eli had already heard. So it was a second warning to Eli, and in the process, Samuel begins to learn to trust the word of God when it comes to him. Okay, in chapter 4, there's a battle going on with the Philistines, and at this point, even though Samuel is still a young man, he helps play a very instrumental role in Israel. We see that the Israelites are battling with the Philistines and they lose badly. And because of this, the um, they start to pray, well, you know, what is going on? Why is God forsaking us? Well, I know we've forgotten the Ark of the Covenant. So they go back and they get the Ark and they bring it out before them and think, okay, now God's really going to help us win. And unfortunately, they don't. They lose badly again. And and when the philistines heard that they had the ark in their midst in the midst of the israel camp they were very afraid you know they remembered the stories about uh, from egypt about how god had gone before this people and and um, caused all kind of plagues on the people of egypt and so they were very much afraid you would think that the israelites would have then realized well boy, if they can be afraid of God, we should be afraid of God. But the people were not. Remember, at this time, they still were doing an awful lot of idol worship uh, along with their supposed worship of the true God. And so they, the, instead, the Philistines, when they're beating back the Israelites so bad, they capture the Ark of the Covenant and they take it with them. During the course of the battle, Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are both killed and so uh, a young man is running to tell Eli what's happened and when he gets there to tell him he says and your two sons have do- they've stolen the ark of the covenant and your two sons have been killed in this battle and Eli is instantly overcome and you know falls back and breaks his neck he is a pretty hefty sized guy so it was um it was just very sad that he just, you know, instantly died from the fall. And his daughter-in-law, who was the wife of Phineas, was having a baby at the time. She instantly went into labor when she heard her husband had been killed. And then she dies in childbirth. And the, the handmaid that is delivering the child call, calls, uh, calls the child um, Ichabod, and which means... Um, The Lord, the glory has departed from Israel. So it was a very sad day for Israel. And you can see that the people were just distraught. Not only, it was as though the Lord had left them. And and, because their chief priest is gone. And the ones that would follow him, his two sons are gone. And now the Ark of the Covenant is gone. And so there is true remorse among the people. But they really didn't have any reason to fear. Because God, who is always in control did not bless the Philistines Just because his Ark of the Covenant was there in fact what happened with the Philistines is they broke all their people broke out in big old tumors and so they knew that somehow you know this was bad news uh, for them and so they moved this Ark from one city to another and sure enough every place it was moved the people would again break out in tumors and finally they said you know what we've got to get rid of this Ark we've got to send it on back to Israel so they, they talk to somebody and find out, well, how, how shall we return this? And they said, well, let's do this. Let's put it uh, on a cart and have two cows pull it. And if the cows just sort of roam around and kind of come back here or don't go anywhere, we'll know that it really wasn't God that was doing all this to us. On the other hand, if it goes straight to Israel, we'll know that it was God, the God. So sure enough, that's what happened. The two cows went straight down the road back to where the Israelites were and the people saw it coming and they just called out and they knew that God was coming back to them. And so they take the the two cows and the, immediately they sacrifice them right there and burn the uh, cart and um, as an offering to the Lord of saying, you know, we are sorry, Lord, we are repenting. And then um, some of the people who were there at this time decided they wanted to look into the ark, which of course was forbidden, and when they did, they were instantly killed. Okay, so Samuel says to all the people, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. So he sees this as an opportunity for them to um, take back a lot of their land and etc. from the Philistines. Now, when the Philistines had sent this ark, the ark of the covenant, back, they bec- some of the rituals that they believed they should do was st- uh, to send a type of offering with the cart with the um, ark, and their form of offering was some gold, uh, little rocks that looked like tumors, and some uh, little f- formed um, rats um, made out of gold now why they chose those two things i'm not particularly sure usually when i teach this class in um, actually in person i will bring some little rocks that i've uh, spray painted gold and hand them out and and tell people to think about things that they need to repent of and the things that that in their lives are have been hardships and maybe that where the lord has been um perhaps convicting them of some issue we see in chapter seven that Samuel leads the people against the Philistines, and they they do have great success before he goes out though he offers a lamb to the um, the Lord and asks for God's presence in this um, befo- to go before them and to forgive them and give them success and sure enough, when they go out, there is such a panic and um, that the um, Philistines take off running and the Israelites are successful this day. And so as they're chasing off the the Philistines, Samuel finds a a big stone and he sets it up halfway between Mizpah and Shen, which is the Philistines' base. And Samuel calls the stone Ebenezer, which means stone of help and what he's saying is that this far is as far as the Lord has brought us already and sometimes as we've talked about in the past how the Israelites would set up stones as a reminder that said well for example remember when they crossed the Jordan River and Joshua set the rocks up and said this is to remind us that God brought us into this land and today we see Samuel setting up this rock saying this is to remind us that God has brought us this far so It is at this time that the people are, uh, once again, turn their hearts back to God, and, and Samuel says, if you want to follow God, then you need to destroy all your idols, and they do. You know, one of the neat and interesting things about this story is, and I kind of skipped over it, but when the Philistines have this, the Ark of the Covenant, they put it in the same temple as one of their gods, Dagon or something like that, and the next morning when the people come in, uh... this other god is has fallen over on its face and that happens twice so you can see why they were a little bit uh, superstitious of how powerful the israelites god really was okay we're going to stop there for today and i know this isn't a very long lesson but i want you to think about a few things I want you to think about how God, far God has brought you so far. Um, even in this class, if you think about it, if you've been staying faithful to this, and I believe you have been, then you know that God has brought you to this part, this point in His Word and has taught you many things about His character and what He requires of you and what it means to walk in God's ways. Next week we will learn that the people of Israel Uh, Just don't trust Samuel's sons, and his sons turn out an awful lot like Eli's sons. And so they start clamoring for a king, and we are going to talk about why Samuel was so resistant to the people calling for a king. But in the meantime, I want you to uh, go ahead and read forward so that you will have a good understanding of what we're going to cover. If you will read through 1 Samuel chapter 16, you will be in good shape as we talk about Um, Israel calling their first king. Thank you for joining us today and until next time, be blessed.